and welcome to episode 170 of Relics of Ore. I am your host, Grybok, and joining me this evening are my fine co-hosts, uh, Opt, Brabin, and Spirit. Uh, how are you doing this evening, Brabin? Doing pretty well. I'm excited to talk about some raids this evening. Yeah, um, indeed, that is the main topic. Also, uh, warning that there is no warning for the listeners, unless you care about raid topics. There are no spoilers for this episode. Um, we're just going to be talking about raids, uh, so... You know, hopefully, hopefully nobody's going to be upset about that. <laughs> um, Spirit, how are you doing this evening? I'm really excited about writing, like oh. a lot. All right, excellent. And uh, joining us again as a guest host to talk about rating as a leader of Twit, uh, we have Opt. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great, thanks. Happy to be back so soon. Uh, I am I am toasting uh, the podcast and and this evening with uh, my last pumpkin beer of the season. Oh, all right. Well, and I am looking forward to talking about raids. Excellent. So we don't. I mean, pretty much this entire episode is just about raids. We don't have a whole bunch of topics to talk about or news. So I think we're just gonna. We've all had a chance to run through them at least several times. I would say we've each spent at least. Gosh, I don't know. I'd say the lowest amount of time on raids is probably me at like three hours, probably. Wow, I'm surprised. I have like about five. I think. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think we we were talking about how to structure it, and I think we're going to start off by talking about the structure and the mechanics of the raids first, and then sort of uh, going back and forth on you know uh, thoughts, balance, all that type of mumbo jumbo after we sort of discuss it. So, um, Op, since you have been leading the Twit Guild raid uh, fairly fairly often, would you like to start off with some of how the mechanics work? So I'm I'm scared that twice now qualifies as fairly often, but yes, I can get us started. Um, so I so I guess I'll I've only done Veil Guardian so far, so I can talk about Veil Guardian. Um, Spirit, have you have you done uh have you gotten the Gorsaval yet or no? I have not, regretfully. Soon, soon. TM. Yeah. Uh, okay. So um so basically the the way the the way the mechanics work for the first encounter is um. So, so before you actually get to the boss, there's three quote-unquote trash mobs. It's like three. It's basically three mini bosses in a row, and each one teaches you one of the mechanics of the main fight. And um, and then for the boss fight, you have to do all the mechanics together, and uh, and and then um, and not die. <laughs> and not die, and also do it quickly because there is an enrage timer. Yes, um, which is interesting although it's not a hard enrage timer like it is in some things it just in air quotes increases his damage yeah by 200 percent. so it's yay a- but i've seen videos of raid groups uh clearing it after the enrage goes because they were just like really close which i think is nice i think it's nice that it's not just a literal insta wipe you lose that it like gives you a, a like a minute chance to rally if you will and maybe the rage timer is just there to keep people from uh, getting the eternal, you know, a little easier. Yeah, yeah. I think I think in the for people that have raided a lot, they would call that a soft enrage as opposed to a hard enrage, where you where you would just drop dead the minute the counter ran out. Yeah. Um, also, it's kind of funny. I didn't realize until I ran the raid a second time um, with relics that there were those air quote trash mobs because uh, <laughs> I joined into an instance that had already killed them. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was kind of that was kind of funny to get that introduction. Um, Spirit, do you want to talk about the uh, like sort of the the phases and how those work? 
as our other raid leader? Uh, sure. So I, some people have been numbering them one through five. I say that there's two main phases. Um, there's a phase where you're actually fighting the boss, and then there's a phase where he splits into the three trash mobs from before. Uh, when you're actually fighting the boss, um, it's a fairly standard, I would say, tank and spank fight. Like you, he has some mechanics that you have to dodge, but you you know you got your tank who's trying to keep him still as best as possible, so the DPS can be on him. Um, you've got your ranged group who whose primary responsibility it is to stand inside these circles because. If you don't have four people within uh, this specific circle, massive damage will be hitting your entire group. Um, and it is survivable, but it's not advisable to mess up on the mechanics at all. Um, the other main thing your melee ball is looking out for is teleports, because he'll teleport you across the room. Um, so that's phase one. When you get him down to about 66%, he does a split. You've got the green, the blue, and the red guardians. Red Guardian is only susceptible to Condi damage, so you have to have pretty much a bare minimum of three Condi people on your team. Maybe you could get away with two, I don't know. Um, blue has a boon that has to be stripped, green just has the teleports. So you down all these three bosses, uh, hopefully as fast as possible. Uh, incidentally, to actually kill them, you have to run them out of health, but then you have to CC them to actually kill them. So once that's done, you go back to start fighting the main boss. The room is dividing it, divided into thirds. And starting in after the first split, a third of the room will be uh, electrified, lit up, bad. You know, choose your favorite rating term. Don't don't try to res someone there. I keep dying trying to save someone. It's like, oh, now there's two <laughs> people down. Unless you are a necromancer, because Reaper Shroud or Death Shroud gives you a large enough health pool that you can totally do that. I don't know. We'll probably mm -hmm. get to that when we're doing, you know, more mechanic stuff. But I think, you know, ten Reapers might be able to just own this. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Um, we, we can talk about that later. Yeah. So, uh, in in phase three, quote unquote, it's really important that the tank moves the boss continuously, following this um, electrified portion of the floor. And then at about 35%, again, it, they split again. Split is the same. You come back, and this time two-thirds of the floor are bad, and you have to continuously move um, the Guardian around them until he dies or you die. And then also, um, the during the second and third phases, he will go sort of immobile and start shooting lightning orbs everywhere. Yes. Yeah, and you'll have to break him. Yep. Um, so... Yeah, so I mean that's that's how it works. It kind of I feel like it sounds a lot more complicated than it really is because in general you really only have one task as a player or like maybe two, but you know like a lot a lot of it is more like understanding the vague like idea of what's going on but just being able to execute what your specific job is like yeah. if you're the tank, you have to stand in like a place that is easy for your guys to hit and or like hit the enemy and not die. And like, then you stay in melee, and you just need to know which color to go to when he splits. Like, if you're in the if you're in the circles group slash the range group, you go and run in the circles and don't die. And like, you know, if you're in the melee group, you stay in melee with the boss and you avoid the teleporty circles and don't die. Um, and tank might be the most interesting because along with keeping him off, he's got the enemy has like a 450 cleave, so you have to keep him pointed away from your range group if they happen to be that close. Yes, that is definitely true. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot going on, but a lot of what's going on is 
in some ways normal Guild Wars 2 stuff in the sense of like there are lots of enemies there are lots of targets and you need to be moving and paying attention to where like where you are moving and like fields to not stand in so in that sense like it is very engaging like you're you're constantly moving you're constantly like watching and you're fighting but like your actual task is relatively simple i mean when you line up all the things that are going on and like enumerate them like we've just done it sounds like really intimidating i feel like but after you've done it a couple times like it's not it's not that bad at least this this first fight it it's like just getting the coordination between all 10 people once they figured out i think so that since relics has done it what three times now and that's been various groups i think i was there for part of at least all of them um it really feels like once we come together and everyone knows what they're doing, it's going to be maybe not a cinch, but doable. What were you going to say, Spirit? Uh, it's a really good introductory fight to raid. Like it, it's simple enough that you can understand your job, but complex enough that you know we're what a weekend now. We haven't beat it yet after several many hour attempts. Yeah, at least not as a primary like guild group. I know some people yeah. on Twit have been in groups that have completed it, but like as a guild in air quotes that is just Twit or just relics. Um, yeah, neither neither guild has like finished it. Finished it. Yeah, we have some members in other guilds that are particip- participated in Veil Guardian kills and uh, and of course Vol Kill. Yeah. Um, also of note, um, this first fight, there was some talk about how Masteries would influence the raid, and this first fight has Speed Mushrooms at each of the pillars. Um, and it's something that I feel like is it's a pretty low mastery, so. I feel like a lot of people probably have it by now, and if you don't have it, it's not like that awful to get it at this point, since you probably already have your most important masteries already taken care of. Um, but it's definitely like yet another thing to be tracking if you want to be like truly optimal, which is interesting, I guess. I don't know. Do you guys how do you like how do you feel about a mastery like that being included, and how do you feel about actually using it in the raid? So yeah, I can take this one. I made sure to go, I made sure to go and get it once I found out that it was a thing because I I uh, honestly I've been spending a lot of time in fractals and uh, Corteria stuff. I'm actually almost all the way done with my Corteria masteries and haven't really made all that much progress on my uh, jungle masteries yet. But I I made sure to go and get the the mushroom mastery. I started doing adventures, having a lot of fun with adventures based on our discussion on the other show. That's good. Um. And, but in the in the fight, I like I like mathematically I know that it had a benefit, but I wasn't really like I wasn't really feeling it. Like maybe I'd be, maybe I'd have been feeling it more if we were getting closer to a kill. But uh, my uh, Twits raid practice on Sunday, where we uh, where we where I first had the speed mushroom thing, it, people were some people were seeing the raid for the first time. Some people were trying out new roles. Like I was tanking I was tanking for the first time. So. Um, so we we uh, we got to second phase. We didn't really get to get to third phase. So um, so we weren't really we weren't really even getting down to the wire or pushing up against that in rage. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's because it's what a ten percent faster skill activation time, which is pretty significant if you get it on all ten people. And yeah. For most of the fight, I mean, that's a yeah. I don't know. Um, it may be something like you're saying if you get down to the wire and you just don't have the DPS, maybe it's something you want to look at. Okay, we figure out the mechanics. Let's get over to the mushroom. Is saying you have, assuming you have the uh, mastery, that way we can get that much more damage out in time. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And like the only, the only sort of challenging part about that is that in 
the second and third health chunks, if you will, whether you want to describe that as third and fifth phase or just like different portions of the boss fight. It's really, really challenging to have the boss near the outside of the circle because it it takes them, you know, more steps and more time to move into a new third because of geometry. And so um, that makes it really hard to get those mushrooms because they're on the far edges. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know how much of a help that is in the later phases. It might be able to like shave off some seconds in the beginning, though, um, when um... it's a little bit easier. I think for the split, because you camp the bosses on the pylons, I think it's more useful yeah. for the split. Yeah, definitely good on the split if you have that. Um, and just uh, just to rewind for a second to the, like commenting on like whether it's like how I feel about a mastery being being in the raid and how it influences it. I think it's like it it, it does add a mechanic and it does make you more powerful versus not having it. But because it's a one-time thing and it is something you just eventually get from just playing the game on a level 80 character in the jungle, I think it's okay. Yeah, I think that I would have a bit more of an issue with it if it was Adrenal Mushrooms, because Adrenal Mushrooms are so powerful and they're also a highest tier mastery that that's like a lot of investment just for like one fight in a raid. And I feel like they would have to... For something that powerful, I feel like they would have to be balancing around the idea that you have it. And as sort of an aside, I've I was starting to do the math on how many mastery points I have left, and I have I think fifteen left, and I have like sixty points worth of Maguma masteries that I haven't learned. So or maybe maybe a little bit less, maybe like forty five. But the point is I'm getting actually now down to the point where I'm starting to run out of mastery points and I'm not exactly sure how to get more um quickly anyway and so having like a high tier mastery that you might even literally be unable to get at this point depend like if you didn't know that you needed it is would have been less okay i guess in my books but because it's Mm -hmm. a low tier mastery it's not that big of a deal as long as it's doable though without it that just kind of makes it so once you know the game is more developed and everyone's matured in their masteries it's just going to be easier to get through which i think is cool because it starts out hard and then makes it um, you know, a little bit more farm for later on once it's older content. If it were adrenal mushroom, I don't know that the speed boost mushrooms are that big of a big of a key factor. Yeah, I think I mean because the the speed the speed ones are not as big, but the adrenals like reset all your cooldowns. So they're pretty awesome. That's yeah, that would be incredibly. Uh, I don't know if I would say it would trivialize a fight if you if it was balanced around not having them, and then you had ten people that had them. But I kind of uh... feel like it would trivialize a fight. <laughs> Based on my experiences in Dragon Stand, where there are champions near mm-hmm. Adrenal Mushrooms, mm-hmm. uh, I've known Mesmers to camp on them and just repeatedly drop time warps. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm kind of okay. Suppose that, you know, they were Adrenal Mushrooms and that would trivialize the fight once all players were developed. I think that's okay because the content's becoming older, get easier to do it. I'm happy with it. I'd be happy with that. It wouldn't bother me. Well, on, on the other hand, though, that would kind of, like that means that the content would kind of get obsolete over time, which kind of goes against what what they're trying to achieve with Guild Wars Two that that all the content is always relevant. Yeah, except for dungeons. Oh, I was waiting to make that sick burn. Oh, sick burns. But like, the problem is though is like that's something that people already have. It's not like they would be adding it in, you know, in this hypothetical situation. Like there are people that have adrenal mushrooms already. Like I. I think that would be very unsatisfying to release a raid that is so trivial because you have a mastery because you just happen to train that one instead of a different 
handful of masteries. I don't know. It's adrenal mushrooms is like is more of a heart like a hardcore raiders would be disappointed because yeah, then it'd make it trivial. But I think the the general player base would be like, well, this is awesome. I just rocked it. But then I feel like they wouldn't. I don't know. It, I I would worry that they would then balance the rewards from that fight around the fact that it's so easy to trivialize like day one. You know, and and at that point, is it even a raid? Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, th- this is this is all very hypothetical because there aren't any adrenal rush- mushrooms in the raid. Mm. It just it was just sort of food for thought on like how powerful some masteries are relative to other ones. Like yeah. speed boost mushrooms are nice, but they're not like raid breaking. <laughs> um, but adrenal mushrooms, for example, could be, um, would be, I guess. So yeah, I don't know. Just uh, just spitballing ideas around. So with that said, now that we've talked about the mechanics, um. I think we're all like overwhelmingly quite positive on the experience, even though we haven't even finished the first one and we haven't even tried the the later boss or bosses. Um, like it's a lot of fun, and I I really want to give props to Anet for making wiping not a miserable experience. Like the fight is mm-hmm. a ten minute cap effectively, and if you wipe, you literally can restart it. Like you don't have to refight the trash mobs. Like you just go add it and add it and add it and add it until you're done and because of the fact that you can hop in hop out with other players um like if you need to replace somebody you don't have to feel terribly guilty that you know that, that you need to bail um because like the fight was only 10 minutes and so you can just put somebody else in so i want to say at the very least that's like i'm very i'm very glad they took that approach with it i think that was very and even if you good. have to even if you die, you wipe, and you have to fight him again, you doesn't feel restrictive getting through the phases again. Right, yeah. exactly. I'm actually, like, I'm really surprised at how different, like, the content feels compared to, say, Dungeons or Fractals, where, like, if you wipe in Dungeons or Fractals, like, it just feels, it feels like it's annoying, like, it's a waste of time, like, oh, if only oh, we just had bad luck, such stuff like that. Whereas in the raid, like like wipe wiping in a raid as you learn it is that's just part of the deal and it doesn't give that feeling of bad luck it's like oh we didn't do this right we need to refine and learn Mm -hmm. it's not like oh i don't know why that happened or oh i can't overcome that uh, smash attack that they had it's like oh clearly we have to get better yep yeah i think there's only been one instance where i really felt like it was bad luck and that was one time when the boss's teleport circle thing got placed entirely inside of the green circle, which you could have dodged or blocked, but like it happened so split second and was so rare that it just teleported everybody out of the green circle and then we instantly wiped, which yep. like again, to some extent you can just get better, but also that happens so rarely that, that that felt like really bad luck. But again, that was like one time out of, you know, probably a collective fifty hours worth of rating on this podcast, so um that was pretty it was pretty funny though like like and like and that and and that's the thing that's why like that's what that's what's so different about raids like that like the fact we had that bad luck it wasn't annoying it was funny yeah <laughs> it's true it's true and that's good like it's it's uh it's good that they've inspired this kind of a feeling amongst the player base or at least amongst everybody that I've talked to um i think i think in general that it's just it's gone over very well would would you guys agree with that yeah Absolutely. i think so yeah definitely um, you know, kind of, kind of building off that, if I can spitball, uh, uh, feelings that we haven't necessarily had in this game before. Um, myself 
and many, many people in Relics, many, many people in the community have been theory crafting builds in a way that we've just never done in this game before. And it's such an excellent feeling to look at this and go, okay, oh, we've got this stat set that I like no one's ever run before. And <laughs> not like no one, but you know, you know, none of us just in Eric. the hardcore dungeon group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these these stats with like healing power and toughness that we've never thought like really seriously thought about running um for for group content or um healing power builds um condi builds even like most one of the problems actually that we've been bumping into is that not enough of our players have condi gear and so I those of us who who can afford to switch over have um, and we're we're meeting the bare minimums for raids, but we just didn't have Condi gear before because we never needed it. And the fact, I mean, there there are some downsides to this. Like, I I could really go into it, but I'm I'm not gonna for now. Um, at some point, if they wanted to make different gear, uh, builds viable, this was gonna have to happen. Like, people are gonna have to want to switch away to gear. But the the fact that we are wanting to switch away from our Berserker gear and looking for other alternatives is so wonderful and the, one of the other things is that um veil guardian doesn't and i i don't think gorseville or sabatha either um don't require stun breaks or condi removal um which doesn't sound like that big of a deal but if you think about you only have um five utilities or whatever to choose from your elite and your heal aren't necessarily are going to be uh, taking into you're not going to take an elite for condi removal, right? So th those are under different considerations. Well, you can um, try to range or do that, but go on. <laughs> the three utilities you have are really freed up by the fact that you don't need a stun break or a condi removal. You have three choices, and you can combine them in a lot more interesting ways and a lot more. Um, yeah, you have a lot more freedom with those those three skills, and you would think that's not that big of a deal, but it does open up a lot more possibilities for different builds. And that that has just been absolutely wonderful. The the treatment of you don't you don't think of you you know you don't go in as an NG and you you don't go um, I am a bomb NG I drop bombs um, this is what I do like you have built your your build around that you go in you say I am an engineer I have all these traits and all these skills available to me I have my scrapper specialization and all my scrapper skills available to me now I need to take these skills and I need to pick the most relevant ones to the fight. The, the best ones to organize with my team and it works and in a lot of ways there there's these skills that people have never considered running before racial skills like all kinds of stuff people have been, been digging out that we've never ever considered like seriously putting on our bars and they're there i that has been wonderful also um, along the same vein uh like legitimate block skills uh, like yes. before were extremely niche if not uh, almost never used and like Having any of those channel blocks is really nice for a variety of reasons. I mean, it's it's really nice if you are on the green circles and like uh one of the red orbs of death comes over. It's like you can just be like, I'm I'm just gonna block. I don't care. Like it's not gonna mm -hmm. it's not gonna hurt me, and I'm performing my job in that I am preventing us from wiping by standing here. Um, and similarly, you know, if you're tanking, uh, obviously, like <laughs> blocking is nice. Um, yeah, actually, tanking is another really great example of, uh, this is one area where Guild Wars 2 has kind of fulfilled its, uh, like, there is a tanking role, but anyone can do it. I've seen, between, uh, videos of completions that I've watched and our own experience, I've seen seven of nine professions tank well. 
I have not seen a warrior tank, and I haven't seen... Yes, I tanked with a warrior, uh, with you. Oh, you did? Actually, but no, it wasn't okay, well. so I've seen it eight of nine. It wasn't well, though. I can't. I haven't... <laughs> no, you did fine. So the only one I haven't seen, then, is a revenant tank, which I think they could be fine if they wanted to do that, too. Oh, I think I think with Harold, with uh, Glint, uh, or yeah. with Harold, Harold Shield, giving you a, um, a heal and channel block, and then also... Um, the Herald heal skill with damage inversion, like mm-hmm. it uh, on a fairly low cooldown. I think that's reasonable, even without talking about a second legend. Yeah, I that really excites me because they all do it in very different ways. You've got your evade tanks, you've got your people who can take hits, you've got your people who mitigate damage. Um, you know, every profession is going to do it differently, but they're all you know, extremely effective at it. And one of the really cool things about tanking is you don't have to... It's simply based off the toughness. So you don't have to take in... Like, it's not like other games where you have to, oh, I have to upkeep my aggro or my DPS is going to pull it off me. The boss is never going to pull off you unless, you know, you die and it goes for the next person with the toughness, but then you're in trouble anyway. Yeah, um, yeah if, if the tank if the tank is dead, that's, that's, that, that's GG. <laughs> it's all about timing and positioning and especially Veil Guardian. I don't know about the others as much, but Veil Guardian is so, so important to have a really good tank who knows exactly where they're supposed to stand at all times, has a really good um, consciousness of what's going on around them, how to avoid, how to move the boss out of things, um, and they don't have to fight with themselves, like, to keep aggro from everyone else. They can they can do all the things they're supposed to be doing without having to, com- like, compete with their teammates. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Spirit, have you, have you, t- have you tanked at all? Uh, I have not. So yeah, I've... so so as uh, as the tank in Vrabin, you uh, you said that you tanked too. Uh, I tanked I, as a um... warrior. Which after I saw a Necro do it, I thought that the warrior really is lacking in some things. But I bet you could clear it with a warrior. I just don't think it's optimal. Clear it with a warrior as your tank. I mean. Hmm. Yeah, and, and we we should probably also talk about Reaper tanks in a bit. But I, I tanked on uh, I tanked on a Knight's Guardian, and it was. And my, what I had done in the, the last time I tried the raid was a uh, ranged uh, Condi Necro, and uh, it was it was really interesting, how, like how different the fight felt, and like how many more things I was aware of when I was the one like leading the boss around the room. Mm-hmm. That that was it was just it was just it wasn't I wouldn't say it was part- a particularly difficult role, but it but I definitely had that with great power comes great responsibility feeling. <laughs> What, um, now, do you, this is not exactly a sidetrack, but a sort of a specific question. What, um, what kind of build and what what uh, weapon sets were you using when you were tanking? Because I also briefly stepped into the tanking role with uh, relics, I think, and I felt like I was in a lot more danger than many of our other tanks that I've seen tank, and I was in full knights, um, but I didn't super adjust my the rest of my build. Something that I noticed in doing it, what a little variance over three different groups. I noticed that sometimes the tank would be dying unless there was a druid there. Some tanks needed the druid, some tanks didn't. And there was clear when the druid was gone was against, we had an elementalist tank, I don't remember, that yeah. they were dying and they needed that healing. And then our druid stepped again and then we were, we were golden once more. So depending on your build and how much survivability you have, um, that just shows there's a neat group composition where, where me as a warrior, I don't think I needed any help because I'm just, you know, all the health and all the armor. And healing but, signet. And healing signet. 
And but also, you know, like Spirit was saying, you know, there's weapons that that aren't ever used, like shield. I don't ever see warriors using shield, but I use my shield because it had blocks. It, it was great, and it had the CC I needed. So it is fun to see those uh, those skills that aren't they're rarely used in the game. But I think I segued us off. What were we talking about? Well, I I was asking Opt what he used for his guardian because I was doing it on my guardian. Yeah, so I had um, I had full knight's gear. It was all all ascended except for like three pieces of armor. Um, and then I was my specializations were I I did uh, valor, honor, and virtues. So I I didn't take dragon hunter, and um, and so I I took like um, virtue resolve virtue resolve passive is uh, stronger. Battle presence to give regen to, to my allies. Uh, altruistic healing for myself. Sure. Um, marks are uh, rid, rid of persistence to make my symbols bigger and last longer. And uh, I was basically as long as I was as long as I was pla- placing symbols and auto attacking, like I was at I was constantly at full health. Hmm. Like uh, I was. If, what if any, what if weapons if, were you using? I was using uh, hammer, mace, and shield. Okay. And if if so if if anything like I feel like I was like overtuned for for defense I could have I could have been a bit more squishy and then just been a bit more diligent with uh, dodging boss attacks. Sure, sure. But that shield is really nice for getting those red blobs off of you. Oh yeah, as a guardian. Yeah, I'd still take the shield, but maybe I maybe I take uh, a knight shield or a zerker shield instead of a. I think my shield is clerics. Sure. Um. Yeah. So did we want to talk about um? the i guess a couple things regarding the reaper i know that my initial impression of of necromancer during the raid was really positive because i felt like for all the rules there was some like there was a way that i could fulfill it but now that it's been out for a week um and i haven't cleared it so i can't exactly speak to it it seems like the consensus is that necromancer is not actually that great at it because other classes do the same things but better even if they can't do all of the same things um does anybody have any thoughts or experience in that like arena i guess it's kind of hard since none of us have been successful well i noticed that when a necro has and i don't know what traits it is but it's death shroud four traded to heal that could really save us on certain times and that was the necro tank that was when shongaku was running tank and that seemed really helpful, and that took off the burden. I think with that, we wouldn't need um, a... I think that was why maybe we did so poorly, we had too much support. With the Necro healing through that, we wouldn't need the Druid. Fair. Um, that and the uh, the Vampiric Aura. Yes, oh, the Life Siphon is amazing. Yeah, the Life Siphon is great for the melee ball, great for sustain for the tank, and I think technically because it's life steal on top of your normal attacks, it's also a DPS increase. Yes. Yep. Yeah, it's a it, it's a unique buff. Yeah, and it is sort of a, it is a fairly comparable um, amount of damage increase to the other professions traits that give like a area stat stat buff or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's funny because you know we were talking about how like Condi's finally felt necessary or not felt actually literally are necessary, and like I ran both iterations. I or let's see, I ran. Both Condi and Power Reaper, and then I also ran Condi Normal Necromancer. Um, and it's if if what if what the general raid community says is true, it's a little bit frustrating to feel like yet again the like condition is unless you're doing the tank role, like that the conditions are suboptimal compared to like quote unquote real condition users. Um, and I think part of that is because of the fact that there isn't a Necromancers have always been strong at condition manipulation, so like 
like transferring and um like corrupting boons and stuff like that and with the exception of the one one of the three sections of the boss fight which you probably won't be in with condi because of the fact that you need to be in the red group um a lot of those tools for sort of like increasing the viability of a condi necro are sort of not used in this first section um which is a little bit frustrating but well and also it's uh, it's just uh, this fight is very much like single target focused so yes. epi- so epidemic which is by far a necro's strongest condition skill is is just not relevant because there's only one target that's a yeah. good point so if there are future times where you need condition damage and there are array of targets the necro will really shine mm-hmm. yeah yeah hopefully. like like in uh like just as a just as a quick segue to like something the necro was really good at like i was at, i was in a a level 59 fractal which is uh, cliffside and uh, I was, uh, and we got to the arm seals, you know, we had to run back and forth with the hammer and there's the big, there's the spawns of chanters that do like tons of damage and tons of conditions. And there's just so many of them. Uh, I was, uh, I was soloing one side of them, like indefinitely with, with my necro and blader's boon and, uh, and shouts mm-hmm. because, because like the, like the necro's role is, it's absolutely like, like that one, that one versus many, brawler that gets that gets stronger and whose skills are the most effective um when uh when they when they're fighting a lot of targets and when they're outnumbered yeah. so that is so that so yeah so from that perspective like at least veil guardian and i just i assume the other fights uh just don't play to that strength of of the necro or the reaper yeah, which is a little sad um also thieves seem to be sort of in the dumps <sighs> i have to yeah there's a reason why evie's not on the show today guys <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know if there's a whole lot to say. There's some interest, like there are some interesting considerations. Um, in terms of well, both thieves and condies, uh, where because the boss has to be so mobile in phases three and five that um, condi users can apply their conditions and they don't have to be up on the boss for them to be doing damage. Obviously, they want to kind of stick with it to keep applying their conditions, but there's some merit to having your conditions on. And then there's also for thieves because they're so mobile, they're able to keep up with the boss. Um, pretty easily and can maybe do better DPS than some other classes that can't. Um, I don't know that's entirely true. It seems like for thieves, because our strengths lie in stealth and blindness and because those are so strong in PvP, um, our damage is not where it should be to... Yeah, I don't know. Like We're just we're not in a good place right now. I don't... I jokingly said earlier this week that we're the new necromancers. These were the new necromancers. I really don't want that to be true, but probably always someone's going to be on the bottom of the pile. Maybe it's just our time for a little while. Um, but actually, you said something earlier that I really wanted to to bring up and kind of pose to you guys as a question or you know, just get your thoughts on. Um, when you're talking about epidemic and how that only really works off other people being able to apply conditions and then, you know, secondarily... Uh, you know, having multiple targets, but I think one of the really cool things about raids that I, or at least in my opinion, that I felt so far is that you can specifically build um, to to complement your friends' builds, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily about what you're doing anymore. Whereas in dungeons, it was very much the individual. You know, your your build does this, and you know, maybe you know your friend brings all the vulnerability, you bring all the might, and then you know somebody maybe supplements a little bit of might and fury. Somebody brings the banners. <laughs> yeah, like. But it's much, much less about what you can do for yourself as opposed to what you can do for others, which also opens up some some different uh, 
avenues in terms of builds. Have you guys had that? Like, what do you think about that? Have you had that experience or? So I think that's also true in dungeons. Like, for, like for instance, if you have the if you have the failing strength warrior, then your Ellie can spec differently because the Ellie knows that they're not going to have to be uh, stacking might because the failing strength warrior is going to take care of it. But like, um, but uh, dungeons demand like so little of of the player in terms of comp. Like, you, like as long as you're like as long as you're reasonably familiar with how combat works, like you can you can wipe the floor with those bosses. But in raids, like it's you go up from five players to ten, and yeah, you can you can rely you can rely on okay, so this person is going to be doing they're going to be doing this thing, so I don't need to be doing that, so I can I can do this other thing instead. Yeah, it. Uh, I think I think that's true. It's sort of. Uh, I mean, it's not actually frustrating. There's it, because it's actually sort of more like a strength of raids, but uh, it did get a little bit. It did get a little bit tiresome respecking my build over and over again as people dropped in and out, but I guess the mm. upswing is that I can respect my build, so you know that's good. Well, I probably that's... changed my build like three, three, four times, not because I was not doing well with it, but because somebody like changed their role or or dropped out or whatever, and it was like okay, time to reequip all my other gear. Um, but again, that's I feel like that's sort of more like a strength in disguise or maybe not even in disguise but just sort of a necessary uh drawback of the flexibility of being able to drop in and out of raids and and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so Um, i don't know are you okay with moving on or did you have more to say no i guess just as a i mean just a a small minor thing like as a good example of what you're talking about is like um you know, if you if you do have more than one necromancer, like there is no reason for you to both take blood magic, probably because the biggest part of blood magic is the vamp trait, and like you probably don't need two instances of that because they won't stack with each other. Um, so like in some ways that can be like okay, so you're the necro that's covering this part, and so I'll be the necro that's covering you know something else. So that might be true with um life siphoning. But then, since you've got ten people, it opens it up more than in dungeons where one might stacker is always obviously enough. But True. in this, and I don't know if in this instance this is correct, but just you know for argument's sake, you can have a might stacker for the melee train and a might stacker for the range train, and that might you know improve your DPS that much. You know, maybe if you had coordination, all ten people could go and stack might, but then you'd be losing time you're damaging. But with ten people, yes, you're building more for the group than yourself than I think you ever did in dungeons. Like, cause like Op said, in dungeons, you know, you could do them because you could just do them. The bosses weren't that difficult. Yeah. Yeah. You could do it in dungeons, but dungeons never really like required you to. Unless you were trying to break a speed record, really. Yeah, exactly. Like if you were like in a super sort of elite or elitist, however you want to phrase it, group that was like, we are doing it literally as fast as humanly possible. Not because we need to, but because we just want to. Then yeah, I mean that a lot of that stuff is still true in dungeons, but that is like it is it is a I mean I I guess I would say that it's it is in fact demanding that you be coordinated because like every second matters. Yeah, so so there so there have been there have been so many segues going on throughout the show, and I know I'm not the host, I'm, but I'm gonna snag this one because like this is something that I was ta- I was talking about with somebody earlier that. Um, that exactly that like in dungeons it was like running the absolute optimal comp 
is the difference between like getting the world record versus not getting the world record but still getting the dungeon done really fast and really easily. And in raids, having an optimal comp can be the difference between uh, succeeding and failing at the boss. Yeah, as noted by the fact that we have not succeeded yet, even though it feels like we now have <laughs> the mechanics down. So, so that is the so that that is that is my segue into kind of a, a wider discussion of. Maybe we were already talking about it, and I was just excited, but uh, <laughs> but to, to talk about um, talk about uh, ba- talk about balance in a in a broader sense, like we we talked about re- we talked about like reapers are good as tanks, and but kind of middle in the pack and other things, and that there isn't really a place for thieves right now. Um, so, what kind? Uh, how, how do we like? And, and spirit, you talked about like the. Um, like the the explosion of like theory crafting that we've seen, um, how much uh, how much of that do we feel is like succeeding in uh, like like how how much of that is actually like working out in practice? It's hard to tell. I think uh, we will like it's too early to like see a meta settling. Um, what I am seeing currently that I don't like is the prevalence of like revenants. I think just about every successful group I've seen has had two heralds in it, um, which I don't like. Because in theory, um, I think with a little bit more practice and a little bit more optimization, because there's a lot of uh, considerations to take into when you're optimizing, which I'll get into in a little bit, because um, I have some gripes about those. Um, in theory, you can do it with a lot of different comps, because it doesn't matter who's applying the might or the fury or the vulnerability they have to be applied and everyone's going to do it a little bit differently but you know generally everyone can do it um at least to to stack 25 and permanent fury and vulnerability um in terms of so here's one of the gripes i'm having uh Grybuck was talking about flexibility in being able to change your build and there's some degree of flexibility that you have uh, definitely with your traits, definitely with your skills, but when it comes to gear, and gear is so important, you if you have ascended gear, you can choose to switch it over um, to a new stat set for relatively cheap, still enough that I wouldn't be doing it on the daily, but like to switch to a Condi build for the raid and switch it back to Berserker after it for certain. Um, well, that depends on if you how your rune situation is, though, because that goes from fairly cheap to not cheap in the slightest. Yeah, well, right. Like, I I wouldn't ever consider like I would have a ascended gear set, but I wouldn't want to be switching it a lot or you know hardly at all. Um, so we have the ability to do that if you want to do if you're willing to commit to a build. But because we need like one of the problems we're running into in relics is that not really many of us have conduit builds. Um, which is partly a byproduct of them just not being that relevant up until recently. And and if ArenaNet wanted Kindly Builds to be relevant, um, at some point we were going to have to do this change, right? right? Like at some point people were going to have to want Kindly Builds and not have them and it was going to have to change over. Uh, but the thing is, with Ascended Gear... jokes on you guys. With Ascended Gear being as expensive as it is, as time-consuming to acquire um, and as not necessary. I don't want to say it's necessary because I really do think once we've got it down, once we understand better the the comps we need, 
um, what can and cannot work. I think we can get people through in exotic gear, or at least uh, with trinkets and weapons, I think you're fine. Armor, whatever. Yeah, our armor well, Armor is in the weird position of being the most disproportionately expensive piece of Ascendant gear and also being the least important. It is grotesquely expensive right now, but I don't want to get into that too much. Like The point is, it's not something that everyone's going to be able to do, switching up your gear like that, um, which is a little bit frustrating when you need to fill those roles and you don't need to fill them anywhere else suddenly you've got this this barrier to to being able to swap. So I've been stuck on like I've been learning NG uh Condi NG, NG trial by fire because I'm one of the few people who was able to put together a Condi set fast enough to run a Condi engineer this weekend having not had one previously, uh which was an experience in itself. But another problem uh with that uh, specifically Condi optimizing um is you need consumables. Like, in raids more than any other, you best be running consumables. Otherwise, I will give you the stink eye. Um, and for Kondi users... do you even consumables? <laughs> right. For Kondi users in particular, there's a sort of nasty spot they're in where the best consumables for them, um, and also runes and sigils to some degree, uh, were based on time-limited time recipes that not a lot of people have, because they weren't useful when the last time they were out was. Um, and they are ludicrously expensive. So you're in this position where you you need Condi people to succeed, but nobody in your group kind of wants to switch over to Condi because it's going to be a huge money sink. And then you smash your head against the boss, burning through your consumables for an extended period of time. Koi cakes only last for 20 minutes, so I've gone through more than four golden koi cakes and toxic tuning crystals for sure. Um, trying to down this boss, and four gold is all I'm going to get from it once I kill it. Uh, so hopefully I'll kill it multiple times and get that money back a little bit that way. But it's it's such a huge sink, and once you've kind of committed that way, it's hard to go back. Especially, I don't know. That's that's my biggest gripe with the the gearing right now. Not that you have to fill those condi rolls, but that the the things supporting what gear you can acquire, how easy that gear is to switch out, um, and how yeah, like the economy surrounding gearing up is incredibly frustrating right now. And that doesn't even go into vipers, which I don't think we should touch on. But you were saying something at the beginning of that about uh, revenants. How do revenants connect to what you were saying? Mm-hmm. Heralds have a um, a really easy ability to pump up everyone's boon duration, and so because um, maximizing the duration of your boons in that way, optimizing your boon application and, and duration that way is so important, um, because they can do that easily and um, uh, frequently, they can pretty much upkeep 50% boon duration for your party. It's just... Uh, insane like no one else can compete with that so yeah there's a weird considerate like people are saying okay you know thief isn't good because i can't do anything that nobody else can do but at the same time when only one person can do a thing like alacrity we're all like oh we don't want that like somebody else should get alacrity because chronomancer is taking over the group or revenant's taking over the group there's a weird situation there yeah so uh, so just on that last bit if we like if we take like the five-year view like let's like so this is the first trade wing of of several so there's so there's going to be multiple raids. Presumably, they're not going to all be designed around the exact same meta. If if they are, like that would that would not be fun. Um, 
But so so like like for instance, for Veil Guardian, like we we kind of glossed over this at the beginning, but there is a the blue Veil Guardian that you have to fight uh, during one of the during the transition phases mm-hmm. gets a gets a buff that makes it invincible to damage and conditions, and it has to be stripped, and uh, and it, and any kind of boon removal will strip it. And it gets applied once every ten seconds. So if you use a boon strip skill, like it actually, like it actually matters. It's not like, it's not like in 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 some encounters where like you can strip the boons, but then they just immediately come back. Like it actually, like you actually need to like consistently strip boons to uh, to uh, take down the blue uh, guardian. And uh, the best, like the best role for that by far is just the uh, the mesmer sword auto attack, which just uh, removes a removes a boon on every third hit. Like it's the it's the absolutely perfect thing for that role. So if we so if we think ahead to the future, like maybe this isn't happening now, but maybe maybe there will be a raid that has like uh, like the one versus many with uh, trash mobs that a reaper would be good at, or something that stealth would be very good for for a thief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, and I mean also backtracking a little bit if we're talking about the economy of of regearing. Like you did say, you said just trinkets and weapons, but like let's make no mistake, ascended weapons, especially if you have to buy four of them, are not going to be a recouped cost anytime soon. Right, and then like yeah, at but, so all. yeah, because obviously it would be great. Like obviously, you know, we don't we don't want to have three condos like. Um, in encounter design, we want the flexibility to say, okay, you know, I today I'm going to take my shield, but if you invest 100 gold in that shield, and then you get get to the next boss, and you're like, okay, well now I need a torch, and you know, you have to invest another 100 gold to build that torch. That is incredibly frustrating. Like, the economy surrounding gearing is just rough. Now, granted, you can get um, uh, two things I want to point out. You can get uh, raid currency from wiping, depending on how far you get the the boss, you'll get a bit of the currency um, for continually trying it. Not enough to to really buy anything, but I've saved up a decent amount over my many many wipes. Um, and once I down it, I'll probably have enough currency to buy some ascended gear. Um, so there's a n- there's numerous things you can get out of raids. It's a little silver uh, lining there. Yeah, so numerous things you can get out of raids. Um, including Ascended Gear, which is great if I could get it, but I need to down the boss first. Yeah, the, the way that I would put it, like, with, with getting, like, you get, like, very few tokens, and it's definitely, like, and that's because they don't want, like, wiping against the boss to be more time efficient than downing the boss. Right. But, mm-hmm. w- but one is more than zero. Yeah, exactly. I also like that they actually make it depend on how well you did, because, like, again, even though even though one, two, three is a very small number, it's still nice that, you know, if you get the boss down 80%, like, as in down to his last 20% of health, that, you know, you get as much currency as if you had failed three times at in the first couple minutes like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, so, yeah, that's definitely a, a good mark in my books, I guess, for that. But yeah, and yeah, this is this sort of this sort of issue is something that I was afraid of, like when they were saying that it was going to be balanced around ascended gear, um, and also something that you know we've we've discussed this a lot of times with regard to the cost of ascended gear. You know, it was like Spirit, you said it. Like if if they want to make other stats and other builds viable, then there's going to be a point at which you want them as much or more than the zerker set and the like current meta builds 
and that would mean essentially that unless you're you know a special snowflake or extremely stubborn like me you probably don't have them and in the in the current gearing set you know that's um some might say prohibitively expensive uh yeah so it's um it's gonna be interesting to see how you know as like op said in the in this the five-year plan or whatever the how going forward how how we're gonna feel about this when there are more raids more wings more mechanics um a diversity of mechanics most importantly yeah Mm -hmm. indeed uh yeah i mean it's gonna be really interesting to see how we feel about that and also with consumables too i mean like (sighs) with with that in mind though allegedly it has been completed on a group with exotics and so i guess it's what percentage of the player base can do it in exotics versus do you need that ridiculously expensive ascended stuff yeah, I mean that's also a very good question, <laughs> uh, and I and I mean I would assume that if you have some players that are fully geared out and then some players that are in exotic, like that's still going to help quite a bit, especially depending on what their roles are, because um, I don't think you need necessarily to have ascended to be the tank. Um, necessary, like the the most important people to have ascended gear are the like pure DPSers. I feel. Yeah. So. The, the tank actually seems like it's unfortunate that there can only be one tank because the tank is definitely the most flexible role. Yeah, I mean, yeah, seems it seems that there are a lot of ways to go about that, as as we were sort of talking about. Um, yeah, like we like we've been hearing, like I've been hearing at least that like Kandi NG like having the most condition damage right now, like that's just like a foregone conclusion. Like be, like it's not even like up for discussion from what I've heard from people that have in in Twit that have beat the raid in other groups. Um. But uh, but nobody but nobody's talking about a uh, an NG tank Condi. They're talking about a, a Reaper tank with uh, Condi. Yeah, yeah. Um... And like, and I've also heard of like Daredevil evade tanks and Mesmer evade tanks. So your 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 Alacrity bot can also be uh, you know stripping the boons on that one phase and also uh, giving giving everybody Alacrity while they uh, move the boss around. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, I mean, it's good that at least that role has that kind of diversity. And, I mean, the range DPS, too, in a sense, is yeah fairly flexible. Because as long as you can do good range DPS, like, you can be in that group. Somebody has to be Condi damage, um, but it doesn't have to be the ranged or the melee specifically. You just need to have enough Condi damage. So, it, I I like that there are a lot of things that you have to keep in mind, but at the same time... It's it's more like a set of conditions that each player has to fulfill, but those sets, like, each individual element of those sets has to be fulfilled in total, but no player has to necessarily specifically be one set of those conditions. Do you know what I'm... Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like, the tank doesn't have to be Condi or Power, but you do need enough Condi or Power in the raid, and you do need a tank. And, like, same with the melee and range DPS. Like, you... You need a range DPS. You like you need a range DPS group. You need a melee DPS group. You need Condi damage. You need power damage, but you don't need ranged Condi damage or range or melee Condi damage. Like you just you need some subgroup of that, and you can sort of you know um, shift that around as your as the raid and your gear and your comfort and your party sort of um, make those decisions for you in some ways. So mm-hmm. I, I like I like that approach. I like that you know. 
it all points towards that um, a myriad of different builds and group compositions can complete it. You know, one is obviously going to settle as optimal as the meta, but it's nice that it looks like everything's pointing towards that you don't have to do a certain group composition to beat it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and, if, and if somebody has to go, you add somebody, and then you, you like, you... You all shift some some skills and traits around, and then um, and then you you're you're functionally able to accomplish what you were before. Just uh, different people are doing slightly different things. Like I think it's exactly the the soft trinity that we that was pitched like before the game launched. Yeah, and and because of that design decision of of sort of this large collection of things that need to be done, and then grouping them into subsets of of those things it means that when you get to a position where there's one that is inarguably the best at at one or more of those roles that means that you can tune that in some way slightly so that you know it's at least more of a competition because it's again like condi ng we're talking about is the foregone conclusion that it's the best condi damager but condi damage is only one element of those things that you need to do like again the ranged versus melee the tank versus not tank um you know so they could tune the condition element of it for ng without completely destroying like an entire set of raid requirements if that makes sense which is good i think like i think that bodes well even though there's you know some some grumbling about class balance like i think i i think none of it is insurmountable from a design like level so yeah like it's like I, I'm really happy with where Re- where Reaper is. It's just like there, there's just this part of me that feels exasperated that oh I still ca- I still can't be primary DPS in a raid because X Y Z because I'm not because I'm not a, a Tempest or a Herald. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I like I played my Herald uh, with Relics, right? Was it Relics or was it Twit? I don't remember. I can't. Was it on, if it was if it was on Sunday, it was with Twit. I yeah maybe I think that's right. And it was just like. I was just like, am I doing this right, guys? Because I'm not really... It's not very hard. It's just kind of impassive. Like, is there anything else I need to be doing? And I was like, nope. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, Revenant okay. boon bonuses is kind of boring in some ways. Well, yeah, I mean, it was just like... It was a little Herald, bit... Herald, I mean. But yeah. yeah, it was a little bit weird coming from like a, you know, coming from a Necromancer and then going to a Herald and it's like, uh, passive buffs. Is there anything else to do? Nope. All right. Yay. <laughs> cool cool story bro um but but to so like like there there are there are two pain points that that i want that i want to revisit so there's the there's the consumables angle and then there's the there's the ascended gear angle and the fact that like like sure if you're like if you're like really on your game and your whole your whole raid is on on their game um you can you can beat the raid in ascended gear but most most people are gonna it's most people are gonna yeah exotic gear but most people are going to need ascended gear, and it's easier with ascended gear, clearly, because it's more powerful. So I would like to, I'd like to propose two two ideas to to you. I I, I teased pre-show that there is one, but I, I remember there's two. So 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 the first idea is: what if consumables only ticked down while you were in combat? I mean, that'd be great. I don't think anybody would argue against that, except yeah. maybe an economist. <laughs> Because like like what is uh like what what is your food doing for you when you're like idling in Lion's Heart? It's not doing anything, right? Yeah. So we need the Azura to figure out a way to uh, put digestion on hold, is what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Next. Or or like whatever like or whatever my birthday booster is like that's not that's not food that's something else. A se- second idea. 
So so raids are raids are a whole like they kind of position them as a whole new game type. They're not like they're raids. They're not raid dungeons or fractal dungeons. Like and just as a tangent for yeah, a second, can can we not say fractal dungeon? Can we just keep calling them fractals? I mean, it's very clearly a rebranding. Like they're to me, it seems very clear that they're trying to like sort of uh backpedal a little bit on dungeons and just be like fractals are totally dungeons so we're gonna put the word dungeons in them so that you also agree that they are dungeons because we are calling them dungeons now but we don't want you to but we don't want you to think about dungeons and yet we're calling it dungeons well they want they don't want you to think about classic dungeons they want you to evolve the word dungeons to include fractals so that then they can support air quote dungeons when they are really just supporting fractals (laughs) oh my god I'm, ser- I'm dead serious. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not like BSing. I'm like I'm telling you exactly why I'm fairly certain that that's happened. Like it's maybe yeah, cynical, but my thought process is one: you're right, and two: oh my god, really? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah. So so ra- so raids are a whole new game type, and and so they don't need to be. They don't necessarily need to be held to the standards of other game types. Like they're like they're not dungeons because you can have ten people among other things. They're not fractals because you have you have ten people and there's no agony among other things and there's no randomization, um, right? Um, well, I guess there's no randomization in fractals anymore either. But yeah, anyway, and um, so uh, so so to and then to like pull one out of left field, like so think about PvP for a moment. Part of the sales pitch of PvP in Guild Wars Two is that you explicitly do not have to grind for gear. Like ascended gear was never brought to PvP. Um, you just uh, and you, you don't have to you don't have to min max like this like this piece this piece of gear is this stat and that piece of gear is that stat and this has that rune and that rune like no you just you pick your rune set and you pick your amulet and your amulet gives you all of your stats. So my second idea for solving the pain points in raids is what if you had a raiding amulet and you didn't have to worry about your PVE stats like ju- just your stats specifically like you'd still have to bring in your runes and sigils and weapons from PvE, but if you didn't have to worry about your stats in raids because you had an amulet and maybe the amulet had its own form of progression, hopefully nothing too onerous. Like would that like would that help or would that be cheesy or what do you what do you feel about that? Uh as in I don't think it could ever happen within the current system. I think people would get too pissy if uh all their ascended gear that they've made is suddenly no longer relevant because uh, the deciding factor for uh, the look I just got from Christian, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you would not believe. Um, people would be so upset if they moved away from ascended gear meaning something in raids. But but fractal uh, leaderboards. You mean like the manifesto said that? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I don't know. I hate when people bring up the manifesto probably as much as Anet. Like I don't know, it it makes sense to me as a like as a design perspective. Like if you're just going to design a raid, like if they had just said, you know what, um, you know, we're going to introduce rating at the end of the year. Rating doesn't matter, or like stats don't matter in rating. It's all about your build, all about your skill. That would have been fine. But like we're already at this point where ascended gear is an established like construct, and like in order to change that, you'd have to invalidate a lot of things that people would just yeah. be so salty about, myself included, because I built three sets now. Even if they did in- introduce an amulet or something like that, I do believe, like I said, it'd be too onerous. It would be there'd be way too much 
it's just how they do things. There'd be too much to build it up, and there'd be just another thing that you'd have to put on a checklist. Oh, now I need legendary armor. Now I need this, and it wouldn't work in the rest of the game. I don't. I just think the system's too well developed to change it that much now. Yeah, I mean, so like sort of counterpoint when we were talking about. Well, I don't really know whose point I'm countering, but just to bring this back to something that we already have. I remember when Agony was first announced, and I was kind of like, well, you know, I kind of like the concept behind agony because it's sort of like if you're hardcore into fractals and you want like a progression treadmill this is a way of introducing it without uh making it miserable for the rest of the game because agony doesn't exist elsewhere um so in in a sense they've kind of already tried having a mechanic that only exists in one area that is supposedly challenging although fractals are not so much considered that anymore uh but now looking at fractals like it's kind of a pretty big barrier for me to even bother ever getting into it because of that it's like well i could get on this sort of treadmill thing where i'm playing it a lot in order to get this specific thing that doesn't matter anywhere else and it's just a whole lot easier for me to know that I've already done all of the fractal like levels in air quotes, and I don't really care that much to get. But if you did more fractals, you'd get more ascended gear. Yeah, ostensibly. N- but not today. Not not today. Exactly. <laughs> um, and again, I mean, look, I have bad RNG luck for the most part, and I don't like that loot table structure. But that's. So that's not exactly the same thing, but I can feel, I feel like, you know, what, what Spirit and Raven are saying it would ring fairly true of people being really upset that, because just as much in their minds, like, in my mind, I hated and still hate Ascended Gear because I hate that kind of progression and that kind of gating and like exactly all the issues that we've talked about this episode and I've talked about a million times before. And they're on the exact opposite side of that fence. They want those stats to mean something and to not just have trivial content. And so raids and very hard content to them are something that the game needs because they've invested all this time into these things that I have by and large said F you to. So... Like by the same by the same note that I wish they never existed, there are tens or hundreds of thousands or whatever of players that have gotten ascended gear with the explicit idea that it is best in slot and that it like means something. And so I could see how that would be a huge turnoff for those folks. And so like I can at least empathize with um <laughs> And I don't want any more systems in the game. We don't need more currencies. We don't need more systems. We have enough. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think, so I think we made a pretty strong case for why the why a rating amulet wouldn't happen. But yeah. there, there's the, like there's there there was one part of that argument I want to revisit, and that's the that was Rabin's point that it would it would be it would be one more system, and that it would be like and and that Rabin, you you kind of feel that it would be a foregone conclusion that it would be onerous. Yeah, I don't know. I have. This goes into theory about what is going on at Anet, and that this is they self-published instead of NC self-publishing. It seems to me that they have a little more control of things, and they're trying to make some things a little easier um, to attain. Like if we get raids on farm, ascended armor shouldn't be that hard to achieve. Um, to the point where crafting ascended armor isn't going to is going to be more expensive than you know just getting it from the tokens. So. I suppose if Anet doesn't 
want us to have to grind, and if they are really controlling everything since they self-published, great, put it in. It won't be too hard to get. But if there's another thing that's super grinding in this game, I'm just gonna get so annoyed. Yeah. So so that so that's actually that's actually what I wanted to talk about. That it's kind of that it, like we're using the phrase foregone conclusion a lot this episode, but that it's that it's kind of a foregone conclusion in your mind, or so it seems that a new system would be terrible in terms of grind and investment. Like, like I, I don't think it, I don't think it speaks well of the way that the rewards in the game work that we don't, we don't want a new system because it would require way too much of us to get anything out of it. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 at least that is my general feeling. I, I like to try and be optimistic, but I also sort of feel that way. (laughs) Yeah. I just think that, Killed Wars should be Build Wars. We should be able to just select our stats like we do in PvP for everything, to a degree. Um, I know you had to work for it in Guild Wars 1, which was Build Wars, but once you had it, you had a much broader broader range, and it, was, it wasn't it was as hard to get to it, I don't think. Maybe I'm living with you know rose-tinted glasses in the past, but hey. Build Wars, not Grind Wars. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, all, but yeah, on the, on the consumables, I mean, I, well, I, I hate consumables with a burning passion because they seem like I've never even touched consumables until now. Raid's like, oh, I need them now. You can't, you can't spell consumables without cons. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, they just seem a very transparent way of, like, sucking money out of the economy and not, I've never, I've never found them fun. I've found them to be quite annoying and, in in any game like i just i i have never liked time buff consumables of any form so anything that would make that last longer is nice um because i especially with like these birthday boosters i used a bunch of them because of master oh excuse me masteries on my alts and it's like it kills me a little bit to just be like sitting there like chatting on a character that has a birthday buff and like yeah so i would love that but i also don't think that would happen because i think the whole kind of point is it's another money drain and they want those and need those in some sense so as there's as... A, there's enough money drain stop it <laughs> yeah um but despite the fact that we've been talking about all the negatives uh i still think we're incredibly positive about raids wouldn't you guys all agree with that absolutely yes. yeah like like it's not that I'm like I'm not I'm not down on the content like the the content is awesome like like Veil Guardian alone I haven't even seen it like I, I saw the I saw Tom Thulu uh, Gorsaval in the trailer um, but I I haven't I haven't fought it yet but I have fought the Veil Guardian the Veil Guardian is so cool and it's just like it's the the design the design is just so tight like it's just so well done it's just such an ex- good execution on challenging content that I'm not I'm, I'm not upset with the content. I'm just upset with like all these external things around the content that are that could potentially get in either my way or my group's way to enjoying the raid. And I think that's the biggest um, concern for guild leaders or officers in a guild because we're the ones that ha- usually have the money and have the ability to go to different, um, you know, stat sets. But we can't ask that of our whole group, and some of our group aren't going to get there because you know we're a little more hardcore. I mean, we're the people who do the podcast for this. We can complain about the stuff, but we obviously love it enough to put up with all the stuff we complain about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and yeah, as far as the design of the raids, I mean, I yeah, it's very excellent. I said this at some point during the past week, but this really reminds me or this this to me feels like an excellent extension of like a group Liadri fight. Like there are so many mechanics from that that are present in this raid and but balanced around having a group and Liadri was by far like the most fun challenging content in the game for me because it was like I just hope those same people that said, oh, Leandre was too hard to make it easier, aren't going to say that about the rates. Well, they're going to say it, but I just hope they're not listened to. (laughs) Well, and I mean, again, though, like, it's a different ballgame when it's group content, you know? Like, but that's, that's, I I think they took a lot of cues from that, and I'm really happy that they've been able to execute it for groups, and... Yeah, I mean, as as you guys said, I feel like it's not so much the raids themselves that are causing these problems as much as the 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 raids are acting like a shining beacon that is illuminating. the infinite systems around them. Yeah, that is illuminating all of the like suboptimal things that were already and have always been in the game, and it just they were never like necessarily brought to light because it didn't matter. So. Yeah, like, that's, yeah, like that's that, the takeaway. Yeah, ascended, ascended gear, and, and like, like, and consumables, and all, and all these other, all these other things, and also like PVE balance. Yeah, or like class disparity. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but overall, very positive, and I'm sure we'll probably have another talk episode about raids when we actually finish the first wing because we've only done one boss. So, um. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what the other fights are because, you know, like you guys said, it's it's been a lot of fun. Uh even just doing this first one a lot. So mm-hmm. uh hopefully we'll get a clear tomorrow in Twit. Um Hope but, so. Yeah, hope so. Uh aside from that, is there anything else anybody specifically wanted to talk about this episode or are you guys about ready to wrap it up? Uh Spirit, do you want to do a cast cast and talk about uh ra- our raid schedules for RO and Twit? Uh sure. Hello and welcome to Castcast, the podcast about the Kebabcast. Hold on. The Kebabcast. The Kebabcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Castcast, the podcast about cast of other podcasts and stuff. Cast of other podcasts this week on Castcast. I whoa. Um, Opt wants to talk about rating stuff. So uh, yeah, so uh, so now that so now that Heart of Thrones has been out for for a few weeks and raids have been released, uh, we have gotten back to doing uh, raids and guild missions, or we've gotten back to doing guild missions, and we have started doing raids. Um, uh, we, we're raiding on Tuesdays at, um, Tuesdays at, uh, NA primetime. So that's 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific. And, uh, and on Sundays we have raid practice time at, um, 5, or at, sorry, at 3 Eastern, noon Pacific. And then guild missions at 5 Eastern. So, um, so like, like our main raid, our main raid time, um, like we're going to be, we're going to be trying to get clears and then at our practice time. We're gonna like that. That's gonna be a great time for people to try out new characters, new new builds, new roles. Um, learn learn the raids for the first time, and then uh, and then we'll be doing guild missions again, which we uh, which we kind of suspended over the summer just because there weren't a lot of people around. So um, so I don't want. I certainly don't want to detract from uh, from relics's uh, raid teams, but um, but you know like these kinds of things kind of de- kind of demand a schedule because you need certain people to be available at certain times. So mm-hmm. if so, like I if uh, if your time ta- if uh, our times work for you, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, who can get, who can they get in touch with if they want to raid with you? Or how can they find you? Um, so my easiest character name is uh, Nani N A N I, and you can you can send me a whisper or a mailing game, and I um, and you can also uh, do at twitguild on uh, on the tweet Twitter machine. No uh, no underscores or anything. Yep. 
And uh, did you want to talk about Relics' rating schedule, Spirit, or document yeah, or anything? Um, we've got... Uh... We don't have... I guess we're going to have a few consistent rating times. One of them is very full. One of them has been overflowing. Um, the other one is filling up. That's uh, Friday nights at 7 Pacific is still kind of almost full filling up. Um, we've got uh, Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific. If that works for you, Eric's been doing a raid on that. That may not be a regular one. Um, the problem we're running into is that we have about 30 people in the guild alone um, that regularly rep relics interested in raiding, and so we, <laughs> we're we kind of trying to deal with the, the overflow of raiders right now. Um, so the best way to keep up with what we're doing for raiding is uh, guild.relics4.com, um, the guild part of our website, slash events. And all of our, our events are guild missions, any open PvE events we do, um, raids are, are on that page. Um, and each one has an individual page that you can actually sign up for if you have a, an account on the site. Um, so if you want to RSVP, you can let us look at your character builds and stuff. Um, that is how we're kind of going about that. Um, and definitely, if we're getting more interested in raids, we will work on opening up more raid slots. But holy crap, are we inundated right now? Yeah. So um, yeah, so par- part of Twit's nature is that we're we're no Rex Guild. So like if like if people show up, like we're like we're happy to have you and and just and figure it out from there. But um, so and that's also that's also part of the I feel that's also going to be part of the nature of our progression. Like we haven't cleared Bale Guardian yet. Like hopefully we'll get it clear tomorrow. But maybe but maybe we won't. And that's okay. Um, I f- I forget where I was going with that. Just all all comers are welcome. I think is yep. probably the the salient mm-hmm. point. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think uh, in terms of relics, I think it's going to vary a little bit um, by who's leading the group. But in each of our event pages, it says open to anyone, open to you know so and so with priority to this time period or whatever. Um, you know, each event individually says um, whether there are any requirements. And generally, no. Um, we just ask that you you bring your willingness to raid and wipe a lot and work as a team and you know gear yourself up. So. All right. Well, with all of that said, uh, I think that's about time to call it a wrap. So thanks for joining me this evening and thanks for listening to the show, everybody. This has been another episode of Relics of War. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofor.com, email us at relicsofor at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve. <laughs>